The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. Hey, yo. What's going on, peeps? Mr. Fretz here. Welcome to episode 58 of the Fretzelmania podcast. Closing out my WCW epilogue. Closing out the invasion angle itself with Bash at the Beach 1996. I am joined by my good brother, Nate the Effing Great from The Wrestling Show and from the Game Changer podcast. And we talk about the formation of the NWO and the impact it had on the history of WCW and the product itself, as well as some interesting slash amazing matches, including Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis, Dean Malenko versus Disco Inferno, and a whole whack of other ridiculous gimmick matches. What are they? You're just going to have to listen and find out on WrestleAddict Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. It is July 1996. Kingpin, Joe's apartment, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas's Pinocchio is in theaters. Everyone is doing the Macarena. The Fugees are killing us softly. Celine Dion is asking, since you've been loved me, we're playing Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 on the Genesis, and one of my personal favorite arcade ports, Metal Slug. What's going on, folks? I am Mr. Fretz. Welcome to episode 58, I think, of the Fretzelmania podcast, where I am reviewing Bash at the Beach 1996, but I didn't come alone. I couldn't find a third man, so I had to go to my second man, the Kevin Nash, to my Scott Hall, my good brother, my former co-host, Nate the Effing Great. What's going on, buddy? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So this is where the big boys record. Look at the adjective. Record. We're here to take over, man. <laughs> oh, that we are. How's it going, man? What's What have you been doing lately? Honestly, I've just been working hard, hard, hard all the time, paying bills, but also keeping up with wrestling. I mean, all leads is still staying strong. And of course, WWE is staying close to the place where unemployed people go to die, basically. Ouch. Yeah, well, what about uh, that wrestling show? You've been still rocking that. The Are you the current galactic champion? You are not. We are still at the reign of greatness. Yes, I am still the galactic champion. Coming up, we actually have a Screw City Rumble that's going to be in the midst, and it's going to be an absolute awesome show. Hoping to get some of the fellow lads from Wisconsin to come down and just kill it like they always do because they're Wisconsin lads and they're also ACW lads. So what more can I say about that than ACW rocks? Also, shout out to ACW and to Dylan. Is that who I, Swoggle. I was going to say, is that who I think it is? <laughs> What's up, Swoggle? Uh, I love big, big shout out to Swags. Hey, follow us on at, at on Attic underscore wrestle, buddy. We have a Patreon, $5. Uh, anyways. And I know your guys have a Patreon too. You can plug all your shit in a little bit here, but yeah, Bash at the Beach 96. This is a show that I wanted to kind of close off the epilogue of the invasion angle with, because we had essentially here, the 
not the beginning of the end of WCW in a way, but the beginning of the biggest period in WCW's history. And this is, of course, the night that, uh, well, y'all can't see it. This is a, isn't a video podcast, but where the new world order of professional wrestling is formed. Look at the adjective order. And uh, your, your joke was way better than mine. <laughs> but before we get to the show here, Nate, uh, oh, I actually talked about the pop culture here. Uh, what did you think of all that? Are you a big Mario 64 guy? I was a Mario 64 guy. That was honestly one of the best games I remember. And I also heard you mentioning the Jonathan Taylor Thomas Pinocchio. I was like, oh God, I forgot that haunted my nightmares for weeks after I watched it. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas haunted all of our nightmares in the 90s. <laughs> well, you tell me that you did not love the Christmas classic, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I was a big home improvement guy. I'll, I'll give you that. No, literally I was. Uh, I loved Tim Allen back in the day. Uh, I would get home. I don't know if anyone who's listening knows what Awana is. Just picture a uh, Boy Scout uniformed, but with Bible verses. Um, <laughs> church, churchy thing. I would bolt home from that every Wednesday night to watch Home Improvement religiously. But yeah, this show is as old as the Macarena. Dude, that was my jam in high school. I loved doing the Macarena whenever that music came on. Just absolutely killed it. And it's one of those things that's a lost art form because now everybody has to do like crazy moves and break dance moves whenever they're at weddings and stuff like that. But I, I will say this. There is a funny story here. Um, I actually brought, rocked out the uh, Dude Love uh, Shuffle the Knees kind yes. of deal at my friend's wedding. So everybody's just like, how do you do that? Like, really? You, you don't know how to do it? And I just show them. They still couldn't do it. <laughs> at my brother's wedding, uh, this is two years ago now, I, I, I was loaded, like interplanetary. So our, my old neighbor, like from, from back home, shout out Crystal. Uh, and I, like, as soon as the Macarena played, like we looked at it, we looked at each other across the room and like, are we going to show these kids how it's done? Cause she's like a bit younger, two years younger than me. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's all there. And yeah, Fuji's killing me softly. It's, it's a good album. Mario 64. I dabbled a little bit in that, but I was, uh, I was a Sega kid growing up, but yes. Bash at the Beach 1996 is not live from Daytona Beach. And I love the Bash at the Beach set, the aesthetic, like the sand. And even one that I did a few weeks ago, uh, Beach Blast 93, even had like the lifeguard set and like the tiki bar. This is almost as good as, uh, have you ever seen like Spring Break Nitro that had the pool? Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, like Rey Mysterio getting like tossed in the, tossed in the drink or something. It was it was it was great and, and it's when you had pay-per-view aesthetics that fit a theme instead of just uh a bunch of cgi you know like i'm looking at you red hell in the cell <laughs> yeah that was during a time where they actually tried to make their sets like amazing i mean i remember when uh, back in the good old days where you know we had the backlash uh blades you know when they came yes. like pendulum back and forth Deal or when Judgment Day looked like a big graveyard set, just good stuff. Why can't they bring good stuff back? Why can't we have good things? Oh, wait, because budget cuts. Okay, sure, let's go with that. 
Uh, speaking of budget cuts here, we had some dark matches that uh, didn't make the pay-per-view, but some of them made uh, main event, not that main event. But we had Jim Powers defeating Hugh Morris, a.k.a. Bully Bill DeMont, in a dark match that was not shown for anything. Uh, on a show tape for WCW main event, we had the Steiner Brothers, bit of a full circle moment here with the new NXT champion, Braun Breaker, uh, defeating tag team champs Harlem Heat by disqualification. And since this is not a Canadian rules match featuring the Quebecers, the titles did not change hands. Bobby Walker defeated Billy Kidman. This is before Billy Kidman joined the flock and became a meth addict and before Billy Kidman became a filthy animal. The Rock and Roll Express. Yes, that Rock and Roll Express defeated Fire and Ice of Ice Train and future NWO member Scott Norton, who is near the top of the do not fuck with list. And speaking of the do not fuck with list, we have Eddie Guerrero defeating William Regal. And how appropriate we're talking about Billy Regal since he just, uh, he left the Fed today. Uh, it's sad, but he's got a great mind for the business. And if he wants to go anywhere, he wants to go for it. Uh, any company would be crazy not to take him. No, absolutely. I agree with that. And honestly, I want them to bring William Regal back for NXT uh, events just to say the phrase war games give him his royalties for that because he made that matchup even more amazing than what it was I I was worried like I haven't watched NXT 2.0 since it became 2.0 other than war games and I dabbled a little bit with New Year's Evil but I, I don't I'm not the right dev demographic anymore it's, it's not my jam to each their own I know people who are there every single week religiously and it's it's fun for them but yeah uh it seems that a lot of triple h's boys are not there but well triple h's heart condition might be worse than thought knock on wood hope you're doing okay trips but oh my gosh this commentary duo nate we had dusty road baby but that's the road bobby the brain heenan and tony shavante on commentary oh my <laughs> what do you think man I loved this trio. This is one of those things where I wish I would have written down some of the phrases that they had or, or some of the things they said during the commentary, but there were just so many that I could not even pick like one where it's like, oh, this is my favorite because Dusty and Bobby, they just bounced off each other so well. Dusty being just, you know, clean cut, great American kind of hero kind of guy. And then you have Bobby Heenan who is, you know, Bobby Heenan. What more do we need to say other than that? Yeah, just classic. It's it's right up there with uh, with him and Monsoon. Like, and he knows how to get under your skin and just and just poke it just a little bit. Poke the bear. Uh, don't poke at Dusty Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> he he might be in polka dots, baby, but that's the road will still uh, f you up a little bit if you will. And oh, this opening match. Uh, this is where I'd open my cider, but I've already opened it. We have. Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis. Now, I love both of the themes here because I guess the, the network or, or the cock didn't get to overdubbing this with the POD, Ray's theme, or like the Mexico's theme for Psychosis. So they had their initial ones, original Good Lord, ones intact. And the professor, Mike Tenay, joins the commentary team for 
for this match because if you're going to have a uh, uh, not a strong style match, a luchador style match or a different style match, you'll have Mike Tanay, who also has one of the best minds in the business. Uh, I, I wrote down some of what the guys said here. Bobby says that Psychosis' hair looks like Demi Moore and Peg Bundy. <laughs> uh, Al, let's have sex. Uh, no, Peg, flush. <laughs> Did you miss me with every bullet so far? <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> That's a classic. And Demi Moore, just before she shaved her head for a movie. Yeah, G.I. Jane. Anyways, enough about G.I. Jane. We have arm drags a moonsault miss, a spin kick by Psychosis, a suicide dive by Psychosis, the guillotine leg drop, Psychosis' finisher, and Ray kicks out. This is officially an AEW match. A leg drop to the back of the neck, and uh, there's something about the Frankensteiner here, and I guess someone got confused, or, hey, it's not Scott Steiner doing the move, the Frankensteiner, but it's WCWE's for her and Kanrana, which I learned throughout the whole thing here bobby calls ray a legend in san diego the san diego chicken and do you know what the san diego chicken has to do with pro wrestling nate i wish i did but please explain uh do you remember this uh this guy named pete rose oh no yeah that's the san diego chicken who came out was at wrestlemania 14 or something Tried to pick a fight or have fun with Kane. Boom, tombstone. Next year, tries to do the same thing. Is set up, boom, tombstone. WrestleMania 2000, third time's the charm. Pete Rose just tried to jump Kane with a crowbar because dressing up, cosplaying as the chicken ain't going to get him nowhere. Uh, Ray launches psycho- Psychosis into the ring pole. A really nice Rana to the outside. This match is just go, 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 go. A West Coast pop that Psychosis kicks out of. Ray locks in a modified STF. A Santon to the outside by Psychosis. Holy shit. Uh, Insigiri's moonsaults. And finally, the, the finish of the match. Top rope, Splash Mountain Bomb, Razor's Edge. Mid-air countered into the West Coast pop. Just, mwah. if you're going to open up a show with that, sign me up. Nate, what did you think? Honestly, it's a really good opener. Like you said, they definitely do stress on the fact that it's not the Frankensteiner, that it's the Hurricanrana, which in all honesty, that's fine. Lucha Libris can do Hurricanranas and Scott Steiner's the only one that can do the Frankensteiner. That's understandable. Um, I saw that finish and I immediately got the comparison with um, a match that Ray would do, I think it's later on, I want to say, with Eddie Guerrero, where they did the exact same spot where it's that uh, Splash Mountain to the Frankensteiner, that, I don't care. That's that's just a great finish, no matter what. When you have the right people doing it, I would I could watch that many times, whether it's Tocosis and Ray, Eddie and Ray, doesn't matter. Like you said, awesome opener, really good, fast-paced action. It just showcases the cruiserweights at their finest. Yeah, and that, that, that comes to, on the same week that the cruiserweight North American titles heartbreakingly get unified, but you know, Roddy Strong, I think he'll, he'll be okay here. And uh, next up here, we had an interview, Conan and Mean Gene, where he talks about being overconfident and threatens violence on a woman. What a baby <laughs> face. 
<laughs> I know, I know. I, I want to get to that in just a minute, but I do love how they, how Minjin actually asks Conan about the move and Conan literally explains it. And so just like, you could do the interview, but let me explain how, with this wrestling move here. It's like, Conan, that's weird, but at the same time, that's kind of cool <laughs> that you gave him props. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> The minute that they said, I will have no problem, like, I think just chopping down Ric Flair and then I'll close, and any women get involved, I'll clothesline them. I'm like, you know, there are worse things that have happened to a woman. They've gotten DDT'd, they've gotten uh, tombstone by Kane, they got to be Bronco Buster by x Okay, that's bad. That's just, that's, that's where we draw the line with them. But I feel like getting a clothesline from Conan is like, not bad but also at the same time, it would still be frowned upon to this day. <laughs> oh, boy. And he talks about uh, chop-blocking Mongo, and oh, yeah, we're going to get to Mongo. But oh, first, but first, in a rematch from WrestleMania six in Toronto, speaking of full circle moment here, well, I don't have a shot glass anywhere, Big Baba Rogers versus John Tenta in a sack of silver dollars on a pole... Was Russo secretly working for WCW in 96? I mean, he probably threw an idea on there, or maybe he just put a post-it note on the table, slammed his head on it, and it's like, match up, do it. And this was weird. And John Tenta here, I noticed he uh I know I know why he came out with half a scarlet. Do you notice that? Like he had he had he had your classic earthquake scarlet, but there was literally divided in half well i was watching like saturday night i think around this time and well what does bubba rogers do he uh breaks out the scissors and cuts off half his skullet for reasons and this match here i mean it's not their wrestlemania six match it's it's a bit of a slog we have you know a just a a whole bunch of shenanigans to get to the pole giggity and uh Jimmy Hart here, who is uh, managing Bubba Rogers, speaking of a uh, full circle, because he used to manage John Tenta as the Natural Disasters. Way, way, way back. Uh, eventually, there's a, oh, there, there was a great line here by, by Bobby Heenan, which was a nod to his former gimmick, The Shark. He got him by the gills. <laughs> Just twisting the knife. Uh, John Tenta is handcuffed to the outside. Get it? Because he used to be a cop. But eventually, Bubba, with an impressive spinebuster on the big man, and gets Jimmy Hart to climb the pole. And oh, no. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, I don't know. John Tenta comes to and comes in the ring and notices. And Jimmy Hart's like, yeah, I got it, baby. I got it, baby. Oh, crap. Boom. Silver dollars stacked to the head. And... John Tento wins. Uh, okay. <laughs> Need we say more, Nate? <laughs> this is one of those matches that make me appreciate that I'm a big guy and I can do better. I mean, no disrespect to these two guys. I'm sure they try to do the best they can, but this matchup was not made for two big guys. And the way that they had the pole, like, what was it, almost felt like 10 feet above the ring or something like that. It, it just felt like it was it was just a disaster from the beginning i understand that there's a story behind it that's fine this matchup was like you said very sluggish very slow and the only thing that was redeeming was jimmy hart honestly just him 
climbing up, getting the silver dollars, and then him almost spinning around, a th- doing a 360 around that pole. That was almost like hilarious. But yeah, this was this is like one of two matches that I had an issue with because every other matchup was was either good or was great. Um, this was one where I was just like, this did not need to be on the show. Why, do, why don't we have the Steiners on the show? <laughs> Damn it. I would have taken that DQ over this match. Oh, yeah. Just that was just out there. And oh, speaking of out there, Sting, Lex, and Macho having an inter- a big <laughs> shouty classic 80s interview in 1996. Uh, Macho's like, you know, I don't care. Something about equal opportunity. Uh, and the unknown gives Sting a dry mouth. You know, you can just take a swig if you got a dry mouth, Stinger. <laughs> well, to be fair, this is still a bit of the surfer Sting, so he had a little bit of cringe to him. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, he would soon be, actually very soon be, Crow Sting. I think this might have been his last match until Starcade 97, if I'm not mistaken. But next up here, just why DDP versus Hacksaw Jim Dorgan Duggan in a Lord of the Ring match, you shall not pass. And for some reason, it has to do with having taped fists. Uh, They should have had like Sir Ian McKellen ref this match, even though Lord of the Rings wouldn't be a thing for another six years after this freaking event. Uh, shout out to Hacksaw, by the way, for once again kicking cancer's ass. Anyone who does that is just a friggin' hero in, in my book. We got a shoulder black by, by DDP. He flies out of the ring. A USA chant for two Americans. Nate, justify this. Um, they've had too many drinks. They are in a weird part of Daytona. And wrestling is weird and we can get away with it. Okay, uh, that, that's almost as weird as chanting USA for an American with uh, an Arab gimmick. Hey, chanting USA to four Canadians. Also, yes. And they're in Canada. <laughs> Not. But uh, I, I have to circle back to Mohammed Hassan for a second. Uh, I was on uh, RA Era, the UK variant of the Ruthless Era podcast, and they released the Royal Rumble 05, and it's an entire watch-along. So I did a watch-along with the Rumble match. When they got to Hassan, oh my gosh. (laughs) I need about about, um, six more of these ciders if I want to start sing an entrance music here but here we got an elevated face buster by jim duggan which was really impressive and then just like the rko bang diamond cutter out of nowhere ddp wins this match becomes the lord of the ring but classic jim duggan gets his heat back gets his ball of tape and bops ddp with it for reasons how did you like this one nate Shockingly enough, this was not a matchup that I hated because I, th- I think it just has to do with the fact that it, I'm such a big fan of DDP and Jim Duggan that I think it's one of those things like I can forgive them for having you know a very 
weirdly stipulated matchup, which you messaged me before we even got to recording that, you know, there's a lot of weird stipulations in this show. And in this one, I was kind of like, okay, this is the weirdest one, I think, of the entire show. Um, I still found a way to enjoy it. Maybe it's just kind of a guilty pleasure kind of deal. Like I said, DDP, Duggan, they're cool people. Um, but yeah, no, I, geez Louise, that diamond cutter just comes out of nowhere and it's just chef's kiss. Absolutely beautiful. So apparently WCW did that whole uh, ring thing before AEW did. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, right, right on. Just a young Maxwell Jacob Friedman, fresh off of his appearance on the Rosie O'Donnell show, is taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> mjf is still my favorite just absolutely love him but coming up next <clears throat> sullivan my son i wanted to do that even though freaking iakeo was not on this show i was gutted kevin sullivan and the wcw champion the giant paul white who is still going today like i watch dark and dark elevation most weeks He's great on commentary. I, I, I love Paul White. And I met him. I'm up to his boobs. He's massive. <laughs> uh, they cut a promo on the horsemen. And they said that the horsemen aren't elite. That I heard that too. And I was laughing when they said that. <laughs> the elite. The, the for life. Oh, wait, wrong. And he's going to have horse stew. Kevin is. <sighs> No, I, I, I'm not feeling that. Uh, I could hear my aunt, who has a horse farm, cringing at this very moment. Uh, and then <laughs> freaking mean Gene's like, Jimmy, brush your teeth. <laughs> can, can we also appreciate the fact that mean Gene Okerlund is literally the backstage star when it comes to this? Because so many backstage segments are made amazing just by him with his backhanded remarks, his just genuine personality, and just absolutely, I will say this, I do love, he, he even gets a good zinger on Bobby Heenan later on in the show. But just hearing those comments, like, why don't you brush your teeth? <laughs> just, it's awesome. I will say this, my favorite Mean Gene moment of the night is still to come. But Jesus, this was an interesting backstage deal. But of course, our guys over at the Ruthless Aggression Pod, they have their deal with Big Show. So every single time I see him, all I can think to myself is, I just need to play the skitty. But now he's just, well, he's a younger Big Show, so his balls haven't dropped yet. So it's like, I just need to play the skitty, everybody. Yeah, Paul Baum, month of Captain Insano. And we're only three years <laughs> away from, we're only three years away from Captain Insano. And uh, <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> Water sucks, even though I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> oh man, the, the the antics were on here. Lee Marshall with Arn and Chris Benoit. They have a bit here that if they win their tag team grudge match with the Dungeon of Doom tonight, Ric Flair gets a title shot for reasons. Then Mean Gene is outside of the Outsiders locker room trying to get answers, but there was no SummerSlam 89 sign behind him for him to cuss out and it drops behind him. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, Speaking of effort, oh, we have Public Enemy versus the Nasty Boys in a tag team collar match. This is this is the one, dude. This is the other one that I had had issues with because I want to st state this before we go too detailed in the matchup. 
Public Enemy, I have no issues with. Nasty Boys, I have no issues with. But putting these two teams together was not a good thing. <laughs> I just found no enjoyment in this matchup. They did the whole like uh, two camera deal, so it's like, oh, this tag team is they've got this going on. This one got this one going on. Back in the day, it was revolutionary. That's fine. Today, it does not age well, not at all, because you're like, okay, well, who do I focus on instead of like you know, how WWE do it? It's just like, okay, we're gonna do this, and then we'll switch the other camera to do that. Yeah, if, if there's one okay thing that Kevin Dunn does, it's focused, but even then, spotty at best. And Public Enemy, both of them are no longer with us. Uh, and this makes me think of, no, 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 no. And the time that they went to the WWE and lasted like two matches because the APA beat the shit out of them. Uh, it's <laughs> basically a public execution. You can find it on Daily Motion. It ain't pretty. Because Public Enemy, uh, God rest their souls, they talked a lot of trash. And uh, they got a lot of receipts coming their way when they went to the WWE for like, it was like three months, I think either right before around the, or around the same time the Dudley Boys came to town. And because of them, the Dudley Boys had that baggage and had that, had that stink about them until I would say their series of matches with the Hardy Boys, which they were like, Okay, you're cool. Let's go. Public Enemy was just like we're doing totally. We're doing totally fine. We're doing okay. Okay, we're we're coasting. We're coasting. Hey, Brett on Farouk, how's it going? Flam, done. Oh man, Wrestler's Court was not necessary for that. Uh, and I got to give a big shout out to uh, Brian Knobs. A lot of people don't like him. A lot of people think he's a jerk. But you know, I met him a couple of years ago, and he was a gem. He was. He talked trash to me for my wearing an NWO shirt. So I'm like, okay, I like you, pal. You're you're cool. That's yeah, I'm looking at a signed picture of him right there. So and he's had health problems. So shout out to, to, to old Navi here. And they're putting over Nitro on TNT. That sounds familiar, except that it's TBS now, isn't it? For for Dynamite. That's correct. They actually just crowned their uh first TBS women's champion, I believe. Boo. I know who it was, and I'm devastated. Uh, if it was anybody not named Ruby Soho, it's a fail. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, Ant right now is sal- is uh, celebrating, probably screaming as we speak on Elite POV. Shout out to Ant. Because <laughs> <laughs> Phil loves Ruby Riot, but Ant loves Jade Cargill. So, and freaking Philium was there last night with Jackie. Lucky punks i'm watching the leafs i'm watching the leafs game last night they had no fucking fans in the stands how is life fair <laughs> yeah i wish i was a Amer- no i'm not going that far uh anyways oh yeah this weird tag match that's right that's right the whole yeah yeah we got nasty boys and we go from nasty boys public enemy to to phil and rant geez louise and nitro uh yeah they're collar like, they're collared to each other but not a four-way coloring to each other because that would cost extra on OnlyFans. But no, we had two. We had one guy colored to another, one guy colored to another. I didn't keep track of who because this match was an absolute schmoz. Uh, for some reason, however, Shark gets involved. Oh, right, they're at the beach. Uh, there's a brawl on the beach and Sags breaks out a surfboard. <laughs> I think Bobby says, hang 10, wipe out. 
<laughs> and it's like, where are the Beach Boys? And I'm like, where are the Beach Boys when you need them? Holy crap. And Dr. Rowe would be said this classic line with the, oh, what a bunch of plunder, baby. Uh, there's a table <laughs> being set here. Uh, Segs lands a pile driver on the floor to Rocco Rock. Uh, yeah. Rocco Rock was actually, <laughs> if you listened last week, I did Starcade. No, it's coming out tomorrow. Shit, spoiler. Tomorrow <laughs> that we're recording this. It's last week. Time traveling's weird. Uh, so I talked about Starcade 1990, which had uh, the Pat O'Connor tag team tournament with tag teams from various other countries. Uh, Rocco Rock played like, uh, I forgot if it was of a New Zealander or like a German or something. Like, it, you're out of ideas here, pal. Yeah, listen to that tomorrow. You'll, you'll find out. Um, yeah, Rocco sets Segs on the table, gets jerked off the table, and it doesn't break. And I immediately started saying, I am the table. Matthew from Botchmania reference. Uh, there is a chain lariat and a chain shot on Segs by Rocco. And uh, there's your win after the match. Public enemy, like every public enemy match, has to get their heat back and put Jerry Sags through a table. This match confused me, man. And like, I've been having vertical problems for the past year. This made it worse. Like I said, this was just a big pile of meh. Just absolute nothing. This one, between the, uh, the pole match and this matchup, as far as worse, I think I think I'll still give the poll one like worst match of the night. This would be like, but this one's really really close, just because there's just a whole lot. Of, I mean, granted that pile driver on the outside was a cool spot. Other than that, nothing really too eventful. And the only reason why I watch it is because of the commentary. It's like I don't care about the wrestling. I just want to hear Bobby Heenan and Dusty Rhodes do more commentary. <laughs> Tony Schiavone's just there. Pretty bird. <laughs> He, he, he's just there waiting for Excalibur to shut up. So, <laughs> shut up, Excalibur. Sh- sh- uh, who's, who's the who's the one that Corey Graves doesn't like? Sa- shut up, Saxton. Oh. <laughs> mean Gene is trying to interview Hall and Nash again, uh, but they're they're hidden behind a bunch of security guards, and they're talking about how uh, they did damage to Eric Bischoff. That's a fun note based on what's going to happen later with Eric Bischoff down the line, but. Uh, <clears throat> Cruiserweight title action. We have Disco Fever, Disco Fever versus the Iceman, Dean Malenko. Oh, let's go. And Disco grabs the mic. Like, everybody came to see me dance. And I'm going to get over Mr. Personality, Dean Malenko. Yeah, Dean Malenko would eventually develop a a personality in WWE. He'd be a pervert. (laughs) Oh yeah, the lesser said about him and Lita. The, the, I like to do it with the lights on. Champagne, Dean, smash. <laughs> but this is no BS. This is Iceman. This is ominous music. Tunnel vision walking to the ring to beat the piss out of Disco Inferno. We had the dead level brainbuster. Shout out to Kid Cash. We had just a Saito suplex, a heel hook. The Root Awakening, the Cloverleaf, the Roll-Up, the Cloverleaf, and the Tap. Quick, painful, not that painless. I love me some Dean Malenko. Nate, what about you? This was 90-10 for 
for the, for the, for the, for those that are curious, like Disco got a little bit of offense in, but it was all full on Malenko. And I think this was the perfect matchup for me to get really introduced to what Malenko was capable of. Cause Holy hell did he deliver on that? Uh, as far as match goes, I liked it. I did. I did like the fact that, you know, literally Dean is just beating the piss out of Disco Inferno. I don't know why. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, I like seeing this person getting hurt. It's kind of like watching Enzo back in the day get like destroyed by all the cruiserweights and Braun Strowman. <laughs> Not quite to the enjoyment of level, but it was kind of one of those things where it's like, I don't know why. I just kind of like Disco getting beat up by Dean right now. It's it's mean, but it's like, eh, it's kind of enjoyable. But yeah, oh, geez, when he locks in that Texas Clover, I'm like, yep, nope, done. You're dead. And I was right. <laughs> uh, Glenn Gilbert is an easy target anyways the, these days. But we have here Joe Gomez versus Steve Mongo McMichael with Deborah. Uh, uh, I, I love me some Mongo. Uh, a lot of he used to have like a, a GIF account that made fun of his botches and all that. But now that Mongo has, I forget if it's Parkinson's or something, he's not doing well. So I, I've come to appreciate everything Mongo has done. And I've been going back and listening to the cult, Cultaholic Classic Raw review is in the midst of 1995. And if you remember Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam from WrestleMania 11, Mongo McMichael was in LT's little uh, stable, if you will. And he even cut some promos on Tatanka on Raw. And we're like, get in. No, Mongo in the main event. Move over, LT. Mongo versus Bam Bam. Let's go. And we could have had that in wcw because they were both there at the time this was just a glorified squash match because gomez was there to eat a tombstone pile driver by mongo and that's that's that yeah it's another meh matchup but i mean i guess it was there for a reason because we got to see queen deborah and their ferocious guard dog <laughs> which i thought bobby he didn't try to put over that dog was amazing Oh, oh, I, I, I got this. There's this reference here. Uh, he called it his uh, pet guard dog Ditka. And if you get that reference, <laughs> I forgot about Ditka. <laughs> Mike Ditka, power football. Yeah, I had that game on Genesis. It sucks. Uh, but oh Mongo, a former Chicago Bear. I mean, Mike Ditka. I mean, if if you know the Bears, you know Mike Ditka. Like seriously. <laughs> But that was the best reference by Bobby Heaton. <laughs> Jeez, there, gosh, I want to know how many people, which is probably a lot, literally are like, wow, they're really matching Ditka's personality with that dog. Because they're both little bitches. <laughs> oh! <laughs> sorry. I had to at least say it. I'm sorry. I have nothing against Mike Ditka per personally. Just, I know somebody has at least said it once. <laughs> well, you're a Packers fan. They're your rivals. It's it's acceptable. Go Chiefs. They suck though. <laughs> as as Vikings suck. Oh, ouch. So backstage here, we're with Ric Flair, Elizabeth, yes, and yes. Woman. Here we go. Just your classic Ric Flair. He's come under a lot of scrutiny these days, deservedly so. Plane ride from hell. Holy shit, that was. That dark side of the ring was depressing. Uh, he says that the horsemen will sweep and I'll have two titles. And Ric Flair talks about doing the cucaracha. I'm like, bro, 
The Macarita was new, was the new hot thing at this point in time. Take advantage of it. Uh, we've got the Man of a Thousand Holds versus uh, Unlimited Knowledge. Wait, since when is he facing Dean Mullenick? Anyways, a uh, woman is hitting on Mean Gene here, and Mean Gene just like, get away from me, you tramp. Uh, Ric Flair uh, <laughs> taunts Macho about Liz. WrestleMania 8 lives on. <laughs> this is just oh crazy. <laughs> this is by far my absolute favorite Mean Gene backstage segment right now. I know people are going to be like, but what about the one with, with Rude and the sign falling down? This, this is really hard to top, though. Because you literally have woman, God rest her soul, she should be in every single wrestling hall of fame for being the amazing manager that she was. Um, she's literally, like you said, just flirting up with Mean Gene. And Mean Gene is kind of doing the whole, you know, like back away. But then there comes a point where <laughs> they talk about celebrating, going to a hotel. And, and I think woman has a line of like, I'll make sure that we get a private party. And Mean Gene's like, private party? I'm just like, Yes! Mark mean Gene is representing all mankind at this point because we would not know what to do with a hot woman like woman if we knew. Because it's like, woman is literally the focal point. Mean Gene is, is there to react. Ric Flair's in the background grinning like an idiot. And Elizabeth is just there like a, the innocent girl next door kind of woman there. I know that I think she gets more of a different character as time goes on, but just there she's just kind of like the like the Sandy from uh, the the star Sandy from uh, Greece, where she's just you know innocent. She's just not doing too much. But yes, like you said, WrestleMania it lives on in infamy because of WCW Bash at the Beach. Thank you, wrestling. You've given us nice things. <laughs> you get a private party, and it's like, I'm I'm sorry, that's never happened before. What the seven seconds of sex or the forty five minutes of crying? I think both. Oh! Do I do I pay you now? Yeah, I'm gonna go. If you know that reference, uh, can I can I coke to you? Oh my god! I feel like we could just do a whole bit about Mean Gene. I think we need we need to do like a Mean Gene woman uh, segment deal anytime we have a show, just just to react to it because oh. that, like I said, this is this is just pure gold again. Just seeing how woman just plays the characters absolutely well she is a great manager it just god it's it's it uh, words cannot describe just how how much I, I love this backstage segment but also makes me very sad to know that she's gone oh man and liz too just just got two gorgeous young women women uh great for what they did in wrestling just just cut down in their prime in well, tragic circumstances. But this next match, dude. Olale, Arriba La Rot. No, we're not there yet. Um, Conan, the U.S. champion, versus the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! Oh, this is a clash of styles. And you're going to see Conan on my Starcade 90 review, although future shock, future reference, you already would have by this point because this is for next week. Uh, Conan and Rey Mysterio Sr., in 1990 in WCW, seriously, dude, check it. Um, you'll love it as much as the USSR. Uh, you'll get there. You'll, you'll know what I mean. But <laughs> holy shit, we have a figure four reverse into a cradle. Conan presses A and B and No Mercy, or at this point in time, it would have been WCW versus the world. Awesome game. 
uh, and does the figure for himself. He doesn't break out the tequila sunrise, unfortunately, but you know, this will do. And Ric Flair goes to the top rope. What happens every time Rick goes to the top rope, Nathan? Um, he gets grabbed, he flies in the air, and he does a 450 backsplash onto the ring. And a shooting star press I mean, leg I mean, drop. I mean, exaggerated a little bit, but... Now, he, he, he does the Phoenix splash. I've seen it. <laughs> oh my god can you imagine rick flair selling a Phoenix splash Jeez, i mean he has taken so many shooting star presses because he's wrestled like kidman he probably wrestled born but anyways here uh rick flair goes to the top rope and it never works uh the girls distract conan here there is a stiletto heel to the head that shit would hurt those things are sharp and to add insult to injury Ric Flair puts his foot on the rope when pinning Conan after the foreign object to the head. And we have a new United States champion. Woo. You know, it's really, it's really weird because this matchup was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, but a lot of people, you know, back in their day or even like today would look back and be like, why is Ric Flair challenging for the WCW US title? That's not a world title. The way that the commentators made it seem like is that Ric Flair is going for this title because it's one of those things that's going to help build him up and get him to that point where people are going to be like, oh, he should be in the world title contention. So having a big name like Flair basically realized, okay, in order for me to get to the next game, I need to be like the second tier champion, i.e. I need to be United States champion. So it's like, wow, there's a lot more prestige with that U.S. title back then than it does now, although that's a shock. But hey, at least we got Damian Priest as U.S. champion, so that's one good thing. Um, yeah, no, just everything about this was great. I, <laughs> I do want to make the comment about the whole stiletto deal. If you guys don't think that stiletto is hurt, ask any person that is pissed off Issa, a.k.a. the Demon Diva of New York, and it will tell you otherwise. <laughs> I don't want to know how, but I also do. Shout out to Issa. <laughs> uh just you, you said something about you, you said something about lesnar didn't you um maybe maybe i talked about beastie but i don't know just, did you guess bad bunny I, I, I don't know i feel like i'm always here in the ocean every now and then i don't know why <laughs> you need your ears flushed out i've been there probably <laughs> but here we go and that, the next tag team challenge grudge match here is the four horsemen represented by chris benoit and arn anderson without his glock going up against the dungeon of dooms kevin sullivan and the wcw champion the giant and right off the bat like the other tag team grudge hardcore whatever you call match we have is a schmoz off the bat and there's this hilariously stupid setup to send the giant to the back. I don't know if it was Mongo or or something like that, but but giant disappeared for a portion of this match. Yeah, that was weird. It, I, I, I don't know what was going on. And then right away, we get the continuation of the Benoit and Sullivan rivalry. At the last pay-per-view, Great American Bash 96, they had a false count anywhere hardcore match that went everywhere from the toilets to backstage. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes was obsessed with the fact that it's in the women's toilets. And there, let's just say that there was one 
uh, stall that got someone's face in where someone didn't flush. Don't worry, it was just pee. I mean, still gross. At least there was no foreign objects in that pee, but holy crap. And there were the women's toilet, baby. Just, yeah, okay. And there was like a lineup for the bathroom going on at the same time as this hardcore match. And it was just, when you're at like a, an event and there's a big lineup for the pisser and then you see it, yeah, it was, it, it, it'd be so awkward. Benoit superplexes Kevin Sullivan. The giant comes back in and there's like a dive and a slam and a whole lot of nothing, a whole lot of rest holds. And uh, we got the giant and Benoit in the ring. This gave us a massive future shock with uh, Benoit and the giant at the 2004 Royal Rumble. Uh, just a, a classic. Okay, I know I'm putting over Benoit here. I'm not ignoring the fact that he ended his life in horrific circumstances, but holy shit, because this could this could this guy go? Just absolutely. We have another brawl to the back for Kevin Sullivan and Benoit. The feud must continue. We got the giant in the ring uh, with Arn. Showstopper chokeslam. One, two, three. And Benoit and Kevin are still brawling. And woman comes out and calls off Benoit. This is a little unusual because a, a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of backstage know-how. I think around this time, the marriage between uh, Nancy Sullivan and Kevin Sullivan was dissolving, and the relationship with Chris was starting to flourish a little bit. If not, it was well after this. But uh, Giant came back out to chase out Benoit. Uh, th there was a deal here with Benoit and woman. It was kind of weird. E even, well, <laughs> knowing what we know now, uh, just, I don't know. But this match was odd. It had its moments. What did you think, Nate? I think it was, like you said, it was odd because when they had, first of all, you know, Giant going to the back, interesting. Beat down on Kevin Sullivan. Okay, that makes sense. And then they have, you know, the continuation of the Benoit Sullivan feud. Okay. And then there's Benoit, you know, doing the back, uh, super backplex to Kevin Sullivan. And then Big Show, I mean, sorry, the Giant, he, it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, is this, is this a work or what? What? what what's going on? I'm, I'm really confused right now. Like, is it? It just went from like odd to just a confusing, head scratching mess of just like, um, what, what happened here? Because, uh, um, just a lot of things happen, and it makes you wonder, like, okay, what's going to happen next? Okay, hey. They got me hooked. Now it's like, okay, what happens next in this story? What what goes down? So I guess it accomplished it with that. But of course, yeah, just like you said, we know about the you know personal circumstances. We know about everything that happens with Benoit. And again, we're not glorifying Benoit as you know the person outside the ring. You can still honor and respect you know the stuff that he did in the ring. Outside, it's one of those things like Paul Heyman basically said that you know, you know, one of the most phenomenal athletes, but as a human being, fuck him. I do apologize for the vulgarity, but that's how it is. I I I've dropped enough bombs already on this show to get thrown off of YouTube, which is why it's only going in your ear holes. But yeah, just <laughs> what, more, what more can be said? We have the lead up to the main event because we're at the main event here. And we see this historic lead up, you know, from 
Scott Hall sauntering into the crowd during a match with, I believe it was like, I think it was Wayne Bloom, father of Von Wagner, worst name generator ever, and somebody else. It was either Wayne, it was either Wayne Bloom or Mike Enos, one of the Beverly brothers. And Scott Hall saunters in and he's like, you know who I am? You don't know why I'm here. Eventually, the weeks go on and Kevin, Kevin Nash comes out and uh, doesn't know what an ad- adjective is. He <laughs> power bombs Eric Bischoff through the stage at the Great American Bash. And they talk about taking over. They're talking about a third man. And all right. Do you know who one of the rumored names for the third man was, Nate? I think I do. I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, though. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, gosh. I, I mean, everybody knows who the third man is going to be by the time the match is over. But at the same time, it's like, God, I know that they rumored so many people on this, but... I thought maybe Sting was one that they kind of rumored because of the fact that he probably needed a character change up, but am I wrong? I I don't know if that was any of them, but I don't know if this is urban legend or I, I think even Eric Bischoff shot this one down, but it was like Mabel could have been, but mm, it wouldn't have been on, if Mabel was the third man, this would have been DOA. It had to be who it was. It, it had to be, but we have the real million dollar man here, Michael Buffer, because he asks for the sun and the moon whenever he ring announces. And he ring announces all the time. He comes out for a Nitro main event. He'll come out for a main event at freaking Spring Stampede at random shows. Luckily, Turner has the money, but we have the let's get ready to suck it. I mean rumble i mean suck whatever you want it to be uh <laughs> got the outsiders you got kevin nash and scott hall with a third man yet to be determined versus sting lex luger and the macho man randy savage which one of these wrestlers has had a match in wait it's 2022 now i was gonna have you on earlier but <laughs> time uh who's had a match recently out of these three you won't believe who it was staying but the third man is a mystery and there is they're really hamper uh, turning up the drama here because they have police everywhere they are just they're, they're turning the knob up because they're like this is the most important day in the history of pro wrestling you know this is huge and they always talk about we came up that place up north and something about taking over and this was initially because i just finished the invasion angle this looked like an attempt at another invasion angle but it wouldn't have been possible because they terminated their contracts with vince and and came here but you could see why they had this mindset uh lex sting and savage had all matching face paint which just brought me back to Sting and CM Punk having the face paint a couple of weeks ago just brought a big smile on my who was the other one that was with with Punk and Sting oh Darby God but so so freaking good like who's the third man is being throughout this whole thing you have a bit of a schmoz you have a little bit of of hot tags here Macho is just going hell for leather 
We have a low blow on Namacho. This match breaks out into babyface gets the advantage, heels get the advantage, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, Hulk Hogan is in the building. You're damn right he is. Go get him, Hulkster. Go get him, baby. Yeah, but whose side is he on? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, like, he almost blew. I, I think Bobby Heaton did that on purpose, but he almost blew it here. And then it's like, oh, Hulk Hogan's here. He sits in the corner. Boom. Atomic leg drop. Garbage. Just everyone knows who the third man is. It's Hulk Hogan. Garbage just showering the ring, making me almost miss that in wrestling. But don't, if you're going to throw stuff, throw empty cans. Because we've talked about full beers being lobbed at, like, people's faces right no 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 uh eventually this match doesn't have a bona fide finish but like you know hulk hogan pins macho man one of the outsiders counts the three hulk hogan has betrayed wcw he is the third man and uh good lord uh the ball's on mean gene to get in the ring at this point the fans are showering the ring in trash. And you have you have here the inception of the beginning of not only the biggest period in WCW's history, but if you're looking political-wise, maybe the beginning of the end for WCW already five years before the fact, which is not really surprising when you think of it in, in that way. Hulk Hogan says that the Hulkamaniacs can stick it, brother. This is the new world order of professional wrestling. Mean Gene here, just Hulk, what are you thinking? I am sick to my stomach. And uh, he talks about the place up north again. NWO, it's here, Nate. What better way to end the invasion epilogue than that? And this ends the show. What do you think of this whole show yeah. as a whole? Honestly, as a whole, I do love the show. I, re- I really do. Other than those couple of matches, it just was an absolute fun show to watch. You had a mixture of everything. It was an absolute amazing, amazing show. And I also want to say this, that there was some really good storytelling in the main events where uh, they actually took Lex Luger out like about first quarter of the way through. And that was kind of one of those things like, oh, shit, I forgot. They didn't have Lex in this one. Jeez, that's the same. They had, like, Macho Man. He was all injured during the deal. He played it off so well. And just that class. We mentioned, you know, Bobby Keenan almost blowing the thing. I thought about that really hard the other day. I'm like, why would he say it? You know what? He's actually not at fault for this, for saying that line. Because even though, yes, he almost did break the biggest reveal in wrestling, he was asking that question, like, all throughout the night it's like you know whose side is everybody on are these people going to be traded they even said you know one of the guy the three guys you know sting uh savage and lex like are they going to really fight for wcw and of course everybody's just like like oh bobby you're always paranoid about these things but the one time that he's paranoid now people are like okay we're going to listen to you now from now on bobby because we understand uh and another classic line from that you know hogan deal where Mean Gene talks about all this garbage in the ring. 
and Hogan has a life. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here, brother. Just a, oh my gosh, classic Hollywood Hogan. And just like you said, it's the beginning of the one thing that would be its downfall, which was the NWO, because as soon as it blows up, it goes from a mini pipe bomb to a nuclear bomb that basically almost kills everything in its wake. <laughs> we once we hit the the NWO Civil War, like the Wolf Pack, writing was on the wall. But and and, and I'm I'm looking at this now, and since we referenced Elite earlier, uh, just circling back here to to modern wrestling for just a spell, I'm just imagining how the elite slash bullet club will have its implosion when Kenny Omega comes back. Cause we have Adam Cole. We have the whole undisputed era well, other than Roddy in AEW. Now you have Kenny Omega and the bucks as like the remnants of the, the elite and the, uh, the bullet club, even it's it reminds me of this civil war, which we're, we're getting this year. And I, and I can't, Oh, I can't wait for it. But that was Bash at the Beach, 1996, and this closes the chapter of the Invasion Angle, the Invasion Epilogue, and it's time for something else. So starting the week after this show comes out, it's time to uh, follow in the footsteps of uh, some dear, dear friends of ours. Shout out to Levi, Jake R., Kyle, of the U.S. variant of the ref, you, you, uh, Ruthless Aggression Era podcast and the U.K. variant being Big Sexy, Dave Burnham and Michael Regg. I'm going Ruthless too. Starting with the SmackDown following the Raw draft. This is the last SmackDown where everyone from both rosters is under the same roof. This features a historic Kane, Rock, and Hogan promo against the nwo if you've seen it you get it it's that one i'm breaking into the ruthless aggression era and this is right before the wwe got the f out and nate i'm gonna have to get you on for a couple of ruthless shows maybe if ruthless guys if you're hearing this maybe use as well but it's gonna be something fun it's gonna be a change of pace and i didn't watch a lot of smackdown in 02 so i'm really Really looking forward to it. Nate, this is the part of the show where you get to plug your stuff. A lot of us are already familiar with what you're doing, but once again, where can people find you and tell us a little bit about the wrestling show? Well, if you want to check me out, I'm part of the SmackDown set. Oh, wait, no, that's up for something else. Never mind, never mind. Uh, for those of you that may have heard my voice before, you may have heard me on a show called The Game Changer Podcast, in which I had worked with. Uh, with Ant when it was back in the day and also uh, Wrestle Attic Radio. Definitely check that out where I talk about a lot of uh, stuff that happens. Uh, pop culture, there we go. For some, for some reason, I thought politics. I'm like, I don't talk about politics. Never, never. Uh, pop culture, movies, wrestling, a lot of things I do. And I've actually been doing really good at uh, doing some rebookings and rewrites for storylines as well as movies. Absolutely love that. I will do a cheap plug for this. One movie that I did cover was a very wonderful, was a underrated Don Booth movie, but I had to rewrite it. Known as Pebble and the Penguin. Check it out. Mm. Um, 
Do you also want to check out me as the wrestler, Nate the Effing Great? You can check us out at The Wrestling Show, which is on YouTube. And like I said, there's a lot of beautiful things that are going to be coming up pretty soon. Uh, we're actually going to be working towards the Screw City Rumble. For those of you that are kind of curious, is that it's going to be a 20-participant rumble in which the winner will get a shot at me for my galactic title, but they will also be the only second ever Screw City champion. So that's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, definitely check me out on Twitter as well as Instagram at Real Game. Drop me a DM, but do not ask for my address or I will report you. Uh, <laughs> also check out Game Changer Podcast merch. <laughs> check out the Game Changer Podcast merch.com. Have some shirts up there. I'm still working on finding time to add more merchandise to that. It's not as easy as it looks, people. Uh, yeah, other than that, I've been just working hard, going crazy, and love having these days where I can just relax and talk about wrestling with one of my favorite bros in the up north, the great white north, even though their version of Lethal Lockdown sucks. <laughs> That it does, my friend. You can follow me, as you know, at Fretzelmania on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Follow Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter. Wrestle Addict Radio on Instagram. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Five bucks a month gets you exclusive content to not only us in an awesome group chat, but exclusive shows that we Honestly, I haven't dropped that many shows on Patreon as of late. It's been it's been a rough couple of months, but today, the day of recording, I gave you my top 10 matches of 2021. We want to find out what they are. Spot us a fiver. And you also get 15% off of our merch on spring. We got, you know, your t-shirts. We got your face masks and hoodies. All sorts of great stuff from all of us at, uh, at, at War, the Kings of the Rings podcast, who have their own individual content. So you can get the Willie T collection, the King Ricky Rose collection, and the lovely Queen Bee themselves, the K Murphy collection. The Young Lions perspective, Mr. YLP is on there. And by the time you hear this, he might have already made his return after his after his absence. And based on the on the releases we've been having, I can smell the smoke from this fire. Shout out. And although I say it every time, Mance is not podcasting anymore. He is forever a brother to Wrestle Addict Radio. Big shout out to Mance. There was recently some uh, some damage done by a uh, a twister in Dawson Springs. So, Mance, hope you're doing well, buddy. Love you. It's all good. And yeah, so have a wonderful weekend, folks. And uh, we'll see you next time. F -f -f for ruthless aggression. Life. <laughs>